Hello and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts Brian and Harris, each episode we'll try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to another uh, episode of the Dad Jeans. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Hey, hey, what's going on, family? All right, for those who don't know, this is D-Don. I'm Brian. And this is Harris Tay. All right, and so, uh, fellas, I haven't seen you in a while. Might be a little longer till I get to see you. What's been going on? I mean, there's this thing called the coronavirus that has just upended everything normal. But, you know, we surviving like the BG. Coronavirus. Yeah, that uh, that COVID is a, is a monster. I mean, Man. it's the only virus I know that got more than three names and it's doing damage. Yeah, listen, when when you know the name of your favorite scientist and you tuning in every day to see what he has to say. <laughs> yes. Then- listen, if if anybody was actually wondering, like, okay, you know, like who who's my go to? We all know our go to at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I'm like, before the coronavirus, it was uh Neil deGrasse. True. And it was Mr. Wizard for us 80s babies. True. Oh, and who wow. am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Uh, the science what, Bill, Bill, Nye, the science Bill Nye, the science guy. Even now, though I was, like, a, I was a Beekman's world man myself. But I nobody, mean, nobody's know, perfect. Some, yeah, some people didn't have cable like, you know, the others. <laughs> <laughs> Rich people cable. See, uh, uh, everyone, you now know who the classist is. <laughs> I just speak the truth. Spit hot fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, question, so uh, how is the quarantine affecting you guys? As of, let's see, it's about in about an hour, D.C. has decided that they're going to lock down everything that is not essential. Still not sure on what exactly that means, but um, I'm pretty sure Wendy's will not be available to me, and I'm heartbroken over it. Oh, I thought food was like hands off, no? I, I don't know. Literally and figuratively. And, and I'm afraid to go down there and they be closed and then I'll just be angry. Mm, right. With everybody else just looking Absolutely. at each other. Right. Absolutely. I mean, listen, man, it is, this is unprecedented, right? Yeah. Like, I can still remember the earthquake in San Francisco during the World Series. Mm. I can still remember, I mean, we all remember Line 11, right? Remember Katrina. But like, I was removed from those locations and lived it by way of newspaper, television, and word of mouth. Being currently it and experiencing it at the same time, like this is this is this is this is rough, right? Especially for you know someone that suffers from anxiety, um, you know someone that you know is really trying to put the the positive before the the negative. Like it's it's a process, man. You know, it's funny you talk about the anxiety. I've been thinking a lot about um, anxiety and having, you know, ADHD as well. And it just, it throws you off. I've noticed that uh, one thing before we were talking, I had mentioned like today was a really good mental health day for me, uh, just clarity wise. Um, And, you know, anxiety can also create brain fog. So, you know, my new normal now is uh, working from home. 
So working from home, you have to have you have to have the right kind of setup. You have to have the right kind of tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do a quick shout out to How to ADHD. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, they did one specifically on working from home, and there are things I have to do. I have to exercise. I have to get some sun. You know, um, I have to drink a little bit of coffee, only four ounces, because you know more than that, then I just be fast and wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's unprecedented. Um, and we're a homeschool family. So you would think, oh, you know, we're all ready for it. It it throws everything off. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from California, you know, the biggest thing that we have are earthquakes and, you know, earthquakes aren't a joke, but the reality is the longest earthquake you're going to be in is about a minute. You know, it's an event. Whereas this is ongoing, you know, in a way where mm-hmm. there's no clear end, everybody's tuned in, and it, you know, I can imagine for those who who are challenged with anxiety, that not having that endpoint only makes it, you know, more heightened. And so I, it, my hats off to you, and you know, I'm glad you guys are coping. Yeah, I mean, one of the things my- I, I feel is resonating is creation of schedules, man, like that, that, that has been extremely helpful in knowing that making a conscious effort to go outside at the same time every day. And you just began to see that your mind and your body benefits from getting in a, in a routine. And so, I mean, working out, drinking warm liquids, doing whatever you got to do to give this new normal a sense of grounding, I feel is the way to some success. So that spoken to somebody with strong executive function, um, for me, (laughs) schedules bring me anxiety. It's like hell. Uh, Cause it's like, now it's just something that is just very unnatural. Mm -hmm. The, the um, schedules, it almost turns into something else to um, to fail at. So one thing they talk about with, with ADHD is um, time blindness. You know, so people with high executive function, you know, at a bare minimum, you know, you're like, okay, this is how long something takes. And you feel that little bit of anxiety a year out. Me, I only feel it 10 minutes before. <laughs> you know, like, oh, now my creativity hits. But now I actually have to create that... Um, it was it not not inauthentically, but I have to find ways to kind of trigger that response to get it done. Uh, so yeah, these lists, you know, they I, I gotta try bullet lists. I've, I got like four different lists, um, depending on how I feel that day, how my brain want to work that day. So Brian, let me ask you, as as yeah. somebody who who schedules work for, in your family, who benefits most from the schedule? Yeah, you know, I think that's I mean, that's a great question. And when you're when you are raising a toddler and thinking about children developmentally and how children thrive, a large number of children thrive on routines. Mm-hmm. And you see True. that not only in preschools, but you see that throughout elementary schools, middle schools, and more freedom in, in, in high schools, but yet there's still structure there. And so more so for the sake of the our son is where the benefit rests. I too am someone that is kind of like a go with the flow, right? But when you have someone that's up at 6.30 and they need to eat by a certain time and just by doing something in a delay that can throw off the whole day, 
and it could throw off their nap and their sleep. True. You began to see how it's not about us right now, right? And that's what we all kind of understand with when raising children. But the biggest benefit is, my, like, you know, with all of us, our world was shaken upside down, right? So there is no daycare. There is no recess. There are, are, are no friends. And for a two-year-old, that's, that's, that's a lot. And so doing what we could to give the daycare structure a connection to the home structure we already are seeing a lot of the benefits. And so it helps him and it helps us too, because we're not running in here, running around going crazy. What's interesting is, you know, I have two children and one of them, I kind of feel, I'm not trying to diagnose, but you know, I'm recognizing the signs of, of the ADHD, but then the other one, she's just on point with like schedules and structure. So it's really interesting having two children in the same household with different learning styles and different abilities around focus. Um, so you just have to be agile. You know, you bring up a good point. You you have to sacrifice, you know, self and figure out what's the best way to get them going. True. So one of the things we like to do is to identify those little victories or even those little challenges that we need to rebound from. Fellas, you got a win or a recent, uh, I won't call it a loss, but or a setback that uh, you want to talk about? I mean, I would say, again, with the, going back to the coronavirus, man, when you have, um, you know, relatives, family members that are in different states. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom's is in Wisconsin and, you know, I'm here in, in Virginia. Um, you know, there's only so much that you can recommend because <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. Like, I can't tell my mom to stay in the house. True that. And who <laughs> am I to tell my mom to, to stay in the house and, and, and change her normal. And so, you know, there, there were definitely some losses that came with being told uh, to my own business. Um, and, 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 and that was humbling. Right. But, you know, as, as, as a son, you know, there's the care and the concern, but then there's also the trust too, that my mom, you know, she got it, you know? And so, you know, she's figuring it out and I just have to trust and put the prayer in, 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 in God's hands and, and just learn from that mistake. Who am I telling my mom, you don't need to be going out right now. Like that won't be happening again anytime soon, player. <laughs> not, not successfully. No, no, no. <laughs> Man, you need the help of the world. My mom tried to get her taxes done the other day. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah. can, can you call the man? Call the man to see if he if he wants you there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he was like, no, no, we let's let's push it back to July. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I called my mother. I was like, they are closing down the state of California. I need you to get some groceries. She was like, eh, I might go on Thursday. This was Monday. Uh, I was uh, like, there's there's no harm in having groceries. You don't have to eat them. So she don't, I, she don't I, feel like it. I think she tried to go on the low. She called me. She was like, I'm so glad I went. Mm. She said, I got there. I thought it was supposed to be the time that they uh, let just seniors come, but everybody was there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's real. And, and like you, Brian, we the best of intentions, but uh, they can certainly pull rank with that. Uh, oh, I man. raised you card. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, she, she read me, she read me, she read me quite nice. Oh yeah. Man. But I, I think that we have a, 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 
a, a, a success to Don, do you want to, do you want to, or can we, or should we be sharing what that, what that major success is with the podcast? Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you got this, man. Well, okay. So, um, we were accepted into what's called a residency. Um, there is a program that is, that was started by the mayor of DC, Muriel Bowser called 202 Creates. And the whole purpose of the program is to support, uh, help, and amplify uh, the work of, of local creatives. And uh, they saw fit to add your boys to the, the latest cohort. And um, that was pre-corona. So <laughs> our, our super dope curriculum and workspace and podcast studios are not fully available to us but we are definitely one of the benefits of having a podcast is we're we're not afraid to meet online we're not afraid to to not see each other but still get working so um yeah man i'm excited and uh, i look forward to making the most of it and uh, having you guys there there with me so that we can brainstorm and and pick pick the brains of, of other creatives and just just be in the room where with people who have so many good ideas. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's what's up, man. Congratulations, fellas. Hey, man. It's, for sure, for sure. We doing doing it together. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Let's see. I, I don't, is it a win? I guess it's a win. Um, you know, but it's struggle. So my, uh, my eldest, uh, we've been really doing reading. And uh, really focusing on reading. So being home has just given me more like energy nice. um, to 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 help out in that way. So, like I said, uh, I didn't say it. she's the one who has who I think may have um, ADD as well. And so she really struggles with reading. But the anxiety that she feels is it's it's like crippling, you know. Uh, so between so you have the anxiety. um you know, I even it even seems like there's a little bit of dyslexia going on there, but I, I have more patience because I'm here. You know, I'm here. I'm able to, you know, do it when I have a little bit more energy. Um, so I'm like this work from home life might actually play a good a good role with this whole work life balance piece. I'm able to be a better self. Um, so, you know, with her, she's probably kind of like, dang, man, now we got to do this all every day. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's a win for me and eventually it'll be a win for her. <laughs> now that's dope. That is, you that know, is, that really is. One of the challenges of co-parenting is you don't always get to be with your kid. And, mm -hmm. um, right now, you know, my daughter's mother and I decided that instead of her going back and forth and back and forth for the sake of parents getting equal time, we wanted to, to make a decision that was best for her to give her some safety and stability. Yeah. And so um, she's not with me right now, but we talk every day. And one of the wins that I have is she called me two days ago and said, Daddy, even though I'm not there, can we do our gratitude journal over the oh, phone? Nice. And, yo, that was huge because mm -hmm. uh, we do this this nightly gratitude journal. It's not complex. It's three things that you're grateful for. Um, you know, most often it's 
I'm grateful for my mommy. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for chicken nuggets, you know. Um, but it's fine because it's a good practice. But when we started it, it was me kind of dragging her through it. So for her mm-hmm. to call me and to suggest it, and she said, well, I'll write them on my side, and then you write them on, on, on that side, and then we'll just put them together. And I was like, yo, that's great. So I, I was very excited about that. So even though I, I can't be with her, I know that she is safe, and uh, you know her mind is in the right place. That's what's that's up, beautiful, man. man. That's what's up. You know, I was talking um, to my wife earlier today where I said, we may not even know the benefits of how our son has us in this moment Hmm. as he grows older and how we are able to talk and discuss and communicate with this kid. I mean, because he's getting a lot of parent time now, right? And at this Hmm. age and stage in his life, this is this is huge, right? I think about how I had limited access to my dad when, when I was this age. And a lot of kids, as they look back, didn't have their parents as much as we have them now. And so this corona, for whatever benefit may be, being able to, to wake up and be there and do breakfast and do our, our, our little recesses that we do on a day-to-day basis uh, has been huge. And I can just see my son is super verbal. And not only is it verbal, but it is accurate when it comes to him verbalizing his requests and thoughts. Like now, again, it's a great at, feeling, ain't at, it? It is huge, man. He's you know, he's, his birthday is coming up next month, uh, but he's already saying, "How you doing, Daddy?" And I'm like, "Buddy, I'm I'm, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm great." And I'm Aww. just like, "Wow!" And he's just like, "You know, Daddy, I'm hungry." I'm like, "Buddy, what do you want to eat?" And he says, it's okay, daddy, whatever you cook. Like, he'll just say things. And I'm just like, how do you know that? But then I'm realizing that he is so receptive, right? And mm-hmm. so a win is just being able to have this moment with him. Uh, my wife and I is, is just huge. You know, it's interesting listening to both of you guys talk. And I know that you nor uh, anybody would want the circumstances that, that created um, this time at home that we all have. But to hear that you guys are finding ways to to double down and to um, invest this time uh, in, in family. And I know it's going to reap rewards. That's, that's so dope to hear. Um, and that's actually um, the purpose of this episode. You know, we're talking about plan Bs. And what do we do when things don't go how we might have planned? But um, and is there a silver lining? So, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. And I'm, I'm glad to hear to have you guys next to me while we do it. That's what's up. Nice, nice. Let's jump into it. Okay. So as men, we share stories about uh, sports failures that, you know, ended up working out. You know, the one that comes to mind is Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school team and going on to be the best player ever, uh, arguably. Or, you know, we talk, we hear people talk about fails at work that ended up working out later down the line. But what we don't hear too much are those personal stories where things may not have worked out in a, in a bigger way that that may be a little more meaningful than than a sport or or a game. Um, so I wanted to spend a little time talking about about those plan A's that didn't work for us and how we how we responded to them, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start. We um, so we were in Ohio and I just had this whole 
like dream. I was going to go to Ohio, do my community organizing, and then uh, eventually, you know, get into politics. And uh, but I'm from the East Coast originally. And my wife, she's from the Midwest. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. We'll have her family out there. It's going to be amazing. It was not. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason why it wasn't is just, um, I, you know, I'm going to generalize a little bit, but there was a little bit of this kind of you should be able to, to, to do things all on your own out there. Mm-hmm. And um, my family, you know, probably to a fault, uh, you know, we're Hispanic and, and West African. They, they're they're too much in your business um but it was just really rough having two kids and you know kind of not it's just it's just different is there's just a different kind of vibe out there than than over here so uh in some ways we felt like plan a was you know me gonna do all this magic in the midwest and then feeling like okay we need a, a kind of just a tighter uh, knit support system. So we decided to move back and, um, an interesting aspect of moving back was, you know, my mom was living in, is living in this house with six rooms by herself. And we're like, okay, well, if we're coming back, we need to be able to make some of this space, our space. Um, I didn't know how deep that was going to be. Um, and, one example I'd like to just use is there was this this big wooden wardrobe that my mom just she she just liked it and it it didn't fit you know we only have like one room to do our homeschooling in uh, in this big old house I'm not salty but <laughs> we were like well we don't want to use this big wooden wardrobe and she got. She she first irritated and we were like, all right, well, can we at least paint it? Because it's like this this older wood and we want to make it ours. And she was like, no, you know, no, nah, you can't paint it. And we were like, okay, if you're going to paint it, you might as well just get rid of it. Okay, well, we were going to use it. We just wanted it to match the decor. So we eventually, she did say you could paint it. So we painted it. Now it's like, where's the best place for it to fit? So there was this back area in the closet with no shelves that we were like, actually, if we put it in there, it would give us some hanging space. Bruh, she got hot. I think she would have chopped it up before she let us put it in <laughs> in that thing. So called my cousin, my cousin's counselor, and helping me through it because I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, she agreed to have our family here and yada, yada. And um, she said, my cousin said, you know, you're not putting that wardrobe in the closet. You're putting her in the closet. Mm. Don't you hate when, you know, you got smart people in your life. Nobody puts mama in the closet. (laughs) So, I mean, it really, it really made us kind of, it just gave us a different lens on you're like, what does it mean for us to be in this space? Um, you know, it's a big thing to have a young wife who's trying to nest in, you know, the whole trope about your, your, your wife and the in-law, you know, all of that's there, but 
we really decided to band together to make this work. And, you know, a year, what, three years at this point into it, um, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and it's almost like compromise, true compromise. Me, no one is totally happy. Uh, but at the same time, we're all in a much better space. So, you know, the plan B, the plan B was actually coming out here and, you know, making it work. But it's not always easy. But in times like this, I know I'm glad. I'm sure you're glad that, that she's there and I'm sure she's glad that you guys are there. Listen, yeah. So I'll jump in. Um, when I was 35, I was absolutely the king of the mountain, man. I, um, in January of, I guess that was 2011, I literally got my dream job. So in, in 2010, I made a five-year plan. I said, you know, in five years, this is where I want to be. I had an interview for a job that was on that path. The interview went so well, they offered me the, the, supervisor, the, super, the supervisory position over the one that I was applying for. Mm. So I was winning. You know, I had a girlfriend that was eight months pregnant, and I had just gotten the job that I planned to strive for in five years. And um, so had, had the kid in February. Work is going well. Didn't take very much time off. I, I think I took maybe two or three days when she was first born because I'm still trying to put time in at this job. When I leave my daughter's sleep, when I come back, she's asleep. But, you know, I love the work. Um, things are... A challenge with with my daughter's mom, but we're we're making it happen. At about the three month mark, my daughter's mom had to travel. She had a wedding that she had committed to, um, maybe even before she was pregnant, and it was out of the country. And so, not a problem because we knew in advance. So I put in a leave request. Leave was accepted, and took a week. And it was tough, but, you know, worked from home, even took my kids to the office some days and, you know, had her had her sleep next uh, in the in the little car seat joint while I'm picking up stuff and doing some work, dropping off papers. I go back to work the Monday after uh, that week I had taken off and was fired. Mm. And so I go from I got my dream job and my kid to now I am fired and I got a three month old and I I was lost. And so all I could do, um, cause I was called in the office and I was told, um, you know, this is your last day and your benefits will be uh, cut off in a week. Jesus. And so I go to the head person and I say to her, listen, you know, whatever decision you make related to your personnel is yours. And I support it. I supported it when when I was your employee and, and I support it now. But what I'm asking you to do is not make a decision in a way that will detrimentally impact my family. And so I was able to negotiate another 90 days of pay, another 90 days of health care. And, uh, you know, by the time by the time it transitioned, uh, by the time that 90 days had 
had gone, I, I was in a new job um, and, and things worked out for me. But I, I'll never forget uh, how that that hit me, you know, and, and I got to admit, you know, as I am looking at the prospect of other jobs now that it's it has impacted the type of jobs I'll take. Sometimes um, I have not applied for jobs that I thought would be higher risk, even if the reward was higher, because now my, my goal is stability. So um, and that's something I'm working on, because as as coronavirus will tell you, ain't nothing really stable, you know. So even even that that modicum of safety that you think you have um, is fleeting, too. So I, I, I can honestly say it's something that I'm still working through. Um, but I, I'm I'm thankful that even in that moment where I was shell shocked, I was able to to pick up the pieces enough to advocate for my daughter. You know, even though I felt like I was wrong, even though, you know, people tell you what they would do and what they should do. And, you, you know, if I was you, but really my, my, my focus was how do I take care of this kid? Period. That's it. So, yeah, man, that's my story. Man, I'm glad. Well, it's, it's so interesting hearing, right? Like both of those moments that you guys shared, they, they shape us, right? Like they shift us and then they shape us. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being in that position where you go in one day with your dream job and you come back and it's like, what the, what the H happened? Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, man, uh, I, I, I commend both of you guys for the adjustment and just dealing with it. You know, I mean, I made the, um, you know, my wife and I before, uh, we moved here, um, you know, we're located in Chicago, which was our home. And Chicago was my home for 13 years and my wife's home for 10 years. And we had a great support system. Uh, friends, family, you name it. It was, just, it was just an amazing space to be in for socially, emotionally, culturally. And my, my mom was in Wisconsin, so an hour away. So I was seeing my mom very often. Um, but we made the decision to move out to Virginia um, for a number of reasons, uh, but mainly to be closer to my wife's family um, and to be what we thought was going to be in a more culturally diverse um, area, considering that uh, my wife being Indian, that we were going to be raising a, a biracial child. So we wanted to be in the epicenter of him not being the only um, in the Midwest to being out here with him being you know, amongst other folks that had a very creative makeup. And it was exciting, man, just to move and getting to a new place that we both loved. Um, and we were coming to a very supportive area, supportive by way of my wife has a very large family. And so we had cousins and aunts and uncles, you name it. I mean, if anyone knows anything about an Indian family, it's huge. Um, but the tough part that came for me was that we moved to an environment that was very supportive with family, but I was missing the cultural connection that I needed. And I was also missing my family. That's real. And there was an aspect of jealousy that came mm -hmm. by way of seeing the family just 
loving and adoring and spending time and wanting to see both of us. But I attributed that to them wanting to see the daughter, right? My wife. Um, but I oftentimes felt out. I felt disconnected. And sometimes I didn't want to eat Indian food, right? Sometimes I wanted to eat chicken, right? Like sometimes I didn't want to talk about, you know, things of interest to them. Sometimes I just wanted to go ahead and, and use vernacular and not feel that I needed to code switch. Um, but I've gotten to a point now where, you know what, my level of comfort, like Brian is Brian. So I'll go ahead and throw a backhanded comment and the family will embrace it and we'll laugh and we'll move on. But the first couple of months, I would even say first couple of, of, of years, um, you know, it was a struggle, right? And it still is a struggle because, you know, my wife also has some friends that are out in this area as well. And before I met you guys as a black male, I, I was like, Drake, I didn't want to make no new friends. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this area right here is so insidious because you don't know if you're meeting someone um, that's going to, you know, look at you as being able to propel them professionally or politically, hmm. or if they're really going to be genuinely interested in getting to know you. You also don't know when you meet someone initially, if they're going to be in the area for another three months, or if they're going to be there for another 30 years, right? So like, this is, uh, a nomadic type area. And so I just had to do a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, and a lot of, you know, just kind of saying what I need is in my house, right? Which is my wife. So pour into her. And by way of prayer, I met you guys. And so I'm still adjusting, right, to this 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 area. I'm still adjusting to how different it is being here than it would be in, in the Midwest. Um, but looking at what support looks like differently um, and vocalizing what I need on a personal level to folks that don't look like me and folks that look like me um, because it keeps me grounded. It also allows me to show up. Like the, the worst thing that I saw is showing up and being what I thought the environment needed. But I'm like, listen, this is who I am. And even in, 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 in my 40s, I'm just like, listen, not anymore. The support that I need is this. And if I can't get it, I'm gonna vocalize it. And then it'll come to fruition and so all of these scenarios have shaped us. Um, and it plays in our feelings and our emotions. Right? Like I was very in talking to my wife about needing a therapist that was a black dude. I was like, listen, I just need a therapist where if I come in and be like, yo, whoop de whoop 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 he's gonna give it right back to me in that same fashion. And that's what I found. And so that was the first initial step. Congrats. Yeah, man, that was the first initial step that really got me to see that I am not in this alone. And then started to kind of deal with the ugly and things started to kind of fall in place. Oh, man, I tell you, that was huge. So one of the things I like about doing this podcast with you, brothers, is the willingness to be introspective. And and I want to ask in those moments, right? Even not even maybe the big ones, but in, in some of those small moments when things don't go your way, um, is there like a principle or some something that you kind of hold on to that that helps you make that transition or helps you make that turn to to knowing that okay, it'll be all right. I just gotta, you know, I just have to to roll with the punches a little bit. I um, 
you know, again, Brian, you bring up a really good concept, uh, therapy. My therapist uh, helped me to kind of really create my own mantra, uh, especially around dealing with anxiety and stress. Uh, my elements for me are truth, faith, and love. So the way that they work is, you know, seek truth. Um, always be centered in your faith and only take actions that are based in love. And it's, it's worked for me. You know, I kind of even, if you can imagine, you know, when you're going through a stressful time or when I'm going through a stressful time, what I'll do is I'll kind of give it that test. You know, I'll ask, is it true? Uh, what I'm feeling uh, or, or at least find the truth in it. Um, and then I'll say, okay, so what does my faith tell me? You know, and that can exist different for different people. Uh, and then finally, all right, Harris, you're going to have to do something. Um, but whatever you do, make sure that it's rooted in love. Uh, so, you know, if that works for others, uh, maybe bless somebody. That's what's up. You know, and I've never been a journaler. And I've had multiple people sit there and tell me that I should journal. But I'm also someone that believes that my heart should be in it this to do it. One. And so, you know, one of the things um, that kind of activated me to be more... Um, retrospective was I'm not going to I'm going to be totally honest I dissect music so when I listen to music I am able to pick out the tempo of the hi-hat I am also able to listen to the distant conga drum that is in the back that is playing on the three when the rest of the group is playing on the four and what that allows for me to do is to be very mindful and it's almost as though I can see music. Um, like I grew up playing the drums all my life. I came from a musical family. My dad played the bass. My mom sang in the church. Um, and so music has always been something that's a part of me. My sister is an on-air personality in Dallas. And so, you know, being able to listen to music and connect to a tone, a tempo, um, lyrics, um, verbiage entendres has been something that has really helped me and I've been able to find a lot of inspiration in music like I could go from listening to you know little brother say something just about inspiration to listening to you know Jay-Z say something but I can go even deeper in saying listening to like the melodic melodies of like a cold play or go even deeper in listening to a cold train or Madonna and that actually helps me Right. I can rattle off a playlist right now that is nothing but motivational based music. Word. Um, and like if I have one of those moments, you know, I'll go ahead and, and turn on, you know, the roots. Um, yeah. A clock has no hands. Right. Or make my by the roots and big crit. And like those two songs are able to just put me in a position to say, you know what? get today's solid ground out of yesterday's quicksand, right? And that was a lyric that came from Most Def and Black Th- and, um, and Talib Wali. Um, um, and so, you know, I'm able to just, you know, kind of go to that space where music is my journal. Other people have written the words, but I'm able to give it meaning. Right. And so um, that has helped. And then also um, my, uh, my executive coach, 
when I moved out here, lives in, in Maryland. And he put me on to a book, um, The Life Visioning Process, which is it's all about helping me find my purpose and how the universe conspires to put me in a position to win. And so... Drop that title again. It's The Life Visioning Process. Uh, and it's deep, man. It's by um, Michael um, Beck- Beckwith. Okay. Um, who is like a combination of like what I call like a yogi, a therapist, and a barber, and a bartender. <laughs> okay. Right, where it's like he has the ability to help you see who you are when you don't have the ability to know who you are. So putting those two together, man, with music and this epiphany of, of thought in, in a book, that's that's how I've been able to find like my purpose and 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 like my energy. Nice. That's dope, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, for me, you know, my mother, my mother used to give me this piece of advice when I was a kid, and I, you know, like like many things, our, our parents say it didn't mean anything at the time, and we didn't really appreciate it until one day as an adult it clicked. But she used to always tell me to be gentle with myself, hmm. and. Um, it's not until one of those days when things don't work out and you're beating up on yourself and you're being hard on yourself and it just kind of clicks, man. You know, and it, to me, it clicked in her voice. If, if I beat myself up, you know, then, then what kind of father does my daughter have? You know, mm-hmm. some dude who's beat down, you know, by his own hand. So, and I'm not saying I don't hold myself accountable, but I give myself space to grow. You know, and and really, in my estimation, that's what this thing is about. There's very few things as a father that we get right the first time other than our commitment to go to, to go down the road. But the rest is just, you know, how are you learning from from the journeys? And so, yeah, I got to remind myself to be gentle with myself. But it's always it's always beneficial. Yeah, man, I really appreciated this conversation, fellas. Of course, ditto, man. Ditto, especially given everything that we're going on. This hour is definitely a sense of normalcy, man. So this is huge. Yeah, man. On the way out, I want to give space to uh, to share share something that's giving you life. Something that made you smile this week. Something that um, you know, something that 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 somebody else might might find some value in. So if there's something cool, if there's one or two things, Brian, you, you dropped jewels. Harris, you've already dropped jewels. So even if you want to reiterate something you shared before, uh, I'd love for you guys to share something that's giving you life this week. Yeah, I would just go ahead and say, listen, just because we are in the house doesn't mean that we can't get out the house. And what I've been doing actively and consciously is doing virtual happy hours uh, with friends. Nice. Um, where the prerequisite is you just bring a beverage of choice. It could be a, a healthy smoothie or it can be, um, you know, whatever your bourbon may be. But scheduling it, scheduling it so it gives us something to look forward to. And my whole emphasis on that is bringing us back to being human again and knowing that something, the anticipation of something. Um, but also having an hour set aside for us to really truly engage. When we do this in person, we're focused on so many different things. Right. But when you are able to sit behind a computer and look, you have to look at this person. 
right? Like, because we know when you ain't looking. But I have set up virtual happy hours with family members, with colleagues, with friends. And it's just been fun just to reconnect on something that we have forgotten how to do, man. So I would just drop that gem and saying, even if it's just FaceTime with someone, if you don't have the capacity to do that by way of technology, just being able to hop on the phone and just check in on people and just let them know that you're thinking about them. Give people their flowers now um, and just let them know that they matter. Harris, before you go, Brian, I'm going to put you on the spot. What was your drink of choice at your Man, last Man, 1792, foolproof bourbon. Uh, my goodness, with one ice cube, I'm a bourbon lover, y'all. There is 53 bottles of bourbon in this house, and I am 53 bottles short. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the beverage of choice, man. Bourbon 1792, foolproof. Okay, all right, good deal. Yeah, man. For me, it's just being here, dude. Like being here with my with my babies. I travel a lot, um, even internationally. So, you know, even them, they just come in and just just want to hug me and then go about their business. They're like, I know you're busy, daddy. You know, so um, yeah, man. I'm just I'm I'm enjoying it. You know, this time home is a blessing. Okay, that's what's up. So I have two things. Um, these days, everybody's watching more TV. It's, it's hard not to. Um, and last night, I came across a show called Council of Dads. And um, the short premise is there's a father who has five very different children. Uh, and he's dying. He's, he's diagnosed with cancer and he knows he's dying. And so he gets these five different dudes to commit to play roles in, in his kid's life. Um, you know, I just saw one episode, who knows how it'll, how it'll go, but it felt good. And Brian, this goes back to something we talked about in a different episode. It it feels good to see serious depictions of fathers Mm -hmm. on television that aren't just the, the, the butt of the joke or the, the slob or, Mm -hmm. you know, so you know, I, who knows if they stick the landing? There's plenty of time to determine. But in the meantime, I'm glad that they're giving it a shot. And um, the other is, and I'm going to take a bit of personal privilege, um, my cousin. Uh, his name is Prentice Penny. And uh, he has a movie um, called Uncorked. And it, it's coming out on Netflix. And the beauty of it is it, it talks about the relationship of a father and a son. And um, I'm excited because it's my family. I'm excited because there's another depiction of positive black men on on television. And um, yeah, so if you got to be stuck around a TV, watch something that, that that makes you feel good about yourself and about your people. That's what's up. That's what's up. Beautiful, beautiful, man. Well, listen, that's a wrap from us. If uh, you like what you heard, feel free to give us some feedback. We are on instagram at dad jeans podcast our emails dad jeans podcast at gmail and uh you could always write a review we'd love to hear from you and uh until the next time we out yeah peace peace